Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show, getting you ready for the men's version now of the Pac-12 tournament. We previewed the women, uh, and let's see if the men have a little better result. Uh, I think that's pretty optimistic, um, but nonetheless, it's a year in which we're going to still cover the tournament. Um, Oregon goes in in a strange year, guys, where it's the month of March. This is historically when this program on the men's side, and frankly the women too, are pretty elite. And they're not worried about what their position is in the NCAA tournament. They're playing for a better seed. They're not trying to play their way in. This year is different. They're 18 and 13 on the year. Their net is in the 70s um, going to Vegas. And quite frankly, probably the only realistic scenario for them to get into the NCAA tournament is to do something that has happened just two other times, uh, win four games in four days to win the automatic bid. Now, thankfully for Oregon, they're one of those two teams that did it, and they did it back in 2019 um, when they went and won the whole thing as a six seed. This year, they're a five. Uh, it's, it's just a different year. Um, they play Oregon State on Wednesday at 2.30, and it's been a different year for Oregon, and it's been a hell of a year for Oregon State. They've won three games. Yeah, the, the thing that's so strange, you mentioned it, Matt, is this is typically Altman time, March, uh, you know, in late February, and yet when was the last time a regular season ended with such a whimper for you, Matt? Like it's to, to not just to lose to Washington, Washington State, but to basically not be competitive in either game like with what's on the line. And, you know, I think the loss to USC had to have played to in everyone's mind. If they win that game, their odds of making the tournament go up significantly. They lose oh, yes. on a buzzer beater. But like, can you think of a time where they had such a tough end of a regular season? Cause those two losses were not just, it's not just they lost the fact that they just like, weren't really competitive in either. Yeah. Um, I do think, the 2012-2013 season, that's when they went to um, the Sweet 16. They were a 12 seed. They went to Colorado and Utah, and they lost by – I'm looking at the scores real quick. They lost by 23 at Colorado, and then on Saturday, they lost by 10 at Utah. Um, they ended up winning at the, in the first round uh, – against Washington in overtime in the Pac-12 quarterfinals. The semifinals, they blew out Utah, and then they held on to, to beat UCLA. So about a decade, Eric, where they are really limping in um, to the Pac-12 tournament. Um, maybe, may, maybe the year in which came after the Final Four, um, the 18 – or the 17-18 season, the other year they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, but even then, they, they went to Washington before they went were in Vegas, and, and they beat the Huskies 72-64, to and they lost by two to Washington State, and they'd won three of their last four games going into, into the tournament. So it's, it's a weird year. Just to get this out of the way, Will Richardson, will he play? What do we know there? Because I think his play over the last couple weeks has been – really, really down, and then he just didn't play the last game. Yeah. Um, 
I asked Altman if they would, if there was any doubt of him not playing in this weekend. And he said that they're just going to do what the trainers say. It sounds like it was a one day, one game situation. Um, He wasn't feeling well, hadn't been feeling well for a couple of days. I I do think you expect him to play, but what are you going to get out of Will Richardson? Which I think most fans probably feel awful for Will because he's one of the most accomplished players in the program, certainly under Altman and certainly in a while. And he's going to be in the top 10 in a lot of stats in the, in the program's history. And he's, his career could end in a, in just a whimper. Let's get to that for both of you. Are we confident that they can, okay, first off, can they beat Oregon state? Cause that should happen. I think everybody, Oregon state's won three games this year. Um, but Oregon's not playing any better than Oregon State right now. In fact, the Beavers play both the Washington schools closer. Yep. Um, and then I guess the bigger question is how far do we think they can realistically go? But let's start with just the opening game here in what is about 24 hours from now, 48 hours from now. What, what do we think? I'll start with Matt and then Jared, you can weigh in as well. I think they should beat Oregon State. I don't think it's – I would be shocked if they blow them out. Um, Dan Altman said after the Washington State game, it's going to be a toss-up game. And they are certainly playing harder than Oregon is. They are by Oregon is by far the better team, though. Um, uh, but I I don't think this is one in which, in the last seven minutes of the game, Oregon's going to have its starters off the court because it's a blowout. Jared. Yeah, I mean, I think Altman's right in terms of this being a toss-up game, uh, just because Oregon is playing just so poorly right now. And they have been playing poorly for like the last month, I would say. So it's difficult. Oregon State obviously is the significantly worst team. But, you know, keep in mind that Oregon State almost beat Oregon when Oregon was at its quote-unquote peak earlier in the season on a missed buzzer-beating layup by Alatiche. So they can do it. And it's not – and it's it'll be closer than we anticipate. Um it should be a blowout by all means. Oregon yes. should win by 20, if not 30 points to a three-win team. Uh, it's just not going to happen because that's not what this team does. Vegas, real quick. Vegas says it's an 11-point spread. Oregon, obviously, being the 11 points. Um, and they also give ESPN's power index also gives Oregon an 87.8% chance of winning. Do we think that's right, though? I mean, I, I think they should yeah. absolutely be favored, and they should absolutely be the higher, like, in terms of a percentage of win, they should absolutely be favored in, in both that and in the Vegas line. But, like, those are talking like this game should be a blowout. And, like, I think if you've been paying close attention, I think we all kind of feel like – I'd be probably a little surprised if they win by 11 points, if I'm totally honest, just how things have gone. I mean, it wouldn't stun me. I mean, maybe they play, if they play their best, they can win probably by 20. But yeah. they just don't yeah. play their best. <laughs> If, if you told me the line was seven, I would say take Oregon. Um, or six and a half, I would take Oregon. But 11 is a lot of points. Oregon is 11 and 20 this season against the spread. I don't think they're going to cover. Yeah. I think it'll be a close one. I could see them covering just for like being up six with two minutes or a minute and a half left in the game. And then the foul game comes into play. Backdoor um, cover. Yeah, exactly. Um, because I expect, I, I mean, in the API or not the API, the the power index, you know, I see, I can see Oregon winning nine out of ten opportunities, um, yeah. just because they're the better team, they should win. 
Uh, it's just better coaching. It, they cover the board in terms of what they're better at. However, it only takes one in this type of tournament, and then you're out. So um, I think it's probably the line's probably a little too high, but I, I, I don't mind it. I think if this were in January, I think Oregon would have been like 15, 16. What has to go right this week, Matt? And I'll ask you first because you're going to be down there. I mean, so much has gone wrong. I guess maybe first, what's gone wrong here? Like, can you help identify me? It's been such a weird year because it was the highs of that road sweep in L.A. And I think they won. What was it, 9 out of 11 or something? They had a really big win streak in the middle. It's just now it's kind of the weasel fall off. And what, like, what, what's your explanation for it? Because it's kind of hard to put a finger on, I think. Yeah, they they won 11 of 13 games um, before closing out the final, what is that, six, going one and five. Um, that's amazing of the flip. They weren't really playing consistent basketball at the start of the season. You could probably chalk that up to, um, I think, Eric Williams was dealing with some injuries. And Fala Dante was on a minutes restriction, and it kind of still feels like he is for whatever reason. Um, and then you've got a bunch of newcomers that are key pieces to this team trying to figure out their roles, and they're playing tough teams. I mean, you look at the non-con schedule, Texas Southern's a tournament team, SMU's a tournament team, BYU's a tournament team, St. Mary's, Houston, and, and Baylor are not only tournament teams, but going to be high-seeded tournament teams. So, you know, they didn't – they won one game or two games against those teams I, I rattled off. Um, and so I think a tough non-conference schedule with injuries and newcomers probably factored into the struggles out of the gate. But what happened middle of the year was kind of what we expected out of this team. They were supposed to be a, a, a second weekend tournament team. And I think what's hurt them is they don't have – a, a player besides Will Richardson, who I think is elite in one specific area. And I don't even know if Will, if we can count on him this season as being an elite player. And, and what I would say would, would be the category is playmaking for himself or for others. I mean, he leads the team in points and he leads the team in assists. Um, they lean on him significantly. And I think against Washington state, it was very evident without him on the floor. Uh, the offense did not know it did not fit. Um, but then on top of that, they need another guard. They're one guard short. And because Eric Williams hasn't been healthy, because he hasn't been consistent enough to start at the wing position, their best lineup is Will Richardson, Jacob Young, Devian Harmon with Quincy Gary and, and Fale Dante. And so you're playing all three of your guards. And I think basically by the 10-minute mark of the second half, they're punch drunk. They're, they're so tired. Uh, you know their their legs are are burnt out because their their three most important players, their guards, are having to play all over thirty minutes a game. Jay, do you see anything else that kind of you identify for some of the? I mean, one. I mean, it, it is weird. I mean, just, just just before I give it to you, Jared, just like yeah, it, it, there was so much momentum after that LA yeah. trip. And the funny part, even talking about by the way, the one and five is the one win is against UCLA, who's like <laughs> top four seed in the NCAA's top five somewhere in there. Like they're yeah. good, they're a good team. Um, like, I don't know, Jared, are there other things? I and mean, we, I think, I think Matt's right in terms of the guard play. I think the team does kind of live and die by Will Richardson and he's been pretty brutal since I think we have to note, like getting hit in the face. It's just been bad. Yeah. Against Arizona, he hasn't been. 
it's just terrible. The stats are just, he went from leading the conference in three point percentage to shooting like 20% from three or maybe even worse than that the last like six games. Um, other than that though, like it's had too much continuity on defense. It seems like they have defensive lapses for multiple minutes per game. Um, but when they're at their peak, they're really good. They can make you, you know, get into somebody's offense and really waste some clock and take some late, late shot or late shot clock desperation heaves. Um, but it's not there all the time like it has been in other Altman teams. Um, they have constantly been going through a rotational battle and playing some people this many minutes, some people that many minutes. They've yet to figure out who their best 10 players are, which is something that by this point you absolutely should. Even your best your, your best eight, 10 players is probably a lot for the tournament. So if anything for this Oregon State game, I wouldn't expect to see some people that you normally do in a regular season game. Um but during the, the, the end, the stretch, uh, I just felt like they were still going through those 10 guys and trying to see what fits, and that's not, never a good sign. Um, they just don't have anybody who can shoot or score. It's kind of as simple as that. Like anybody you can really rely on. Uh, Richardson was that guy, and then when teams just said, okay, we're going to stop you from scoring and let someone else beat us, Oregon doesn't really have anybody else who can beat them. And Davion Harmon is, is good for 17 a night. I don't think you're going to get too many 20-point scoring games from him. He's just not efficient enough to score that way. He doesn't drive to the basket hard enough and get fouled and get free throws like other players do. And the issue with Richardson recently, after the slap in the face, but I thought it was a little bit before that anyways, is that he just uh, he, he's not the player to, to carry a team just yet. Maybe he does in this Pac-12 tournament, but he is more of a defer. You know, he worked really well with Peyton Pritchard because Peyton Pritchard was the guy. Peyton Pritchard was the guy who was going to take the final shot, who was going to orchestrate the offense, who was going to be, okay, there's three seconds left and someone's going to have to take a terrible shot. Fine, I guess it's me. Um, I don't see that from Richardson. I don't think we have in his Oregon tenure, except for maybe a handful of times. Um, and this is the season they needed it from him the most, and they didn't get it. Um, and that could be due to, to injuries. Um, I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There could be a real reason as to why he's not doing that. But going into this conference tournament, if there's a time for him to turn it up and try to carry the team like he needs to and like he's needed to be doing the last couple of weeks, it would be now. I would push back a little bit on that. Um, I do think sure. he can be the guy. I just think – he's hit something meant whether it's mental or that hit in the face at, at Arizona, because go back to when Oregon started their winning streak in late December. And when, you know, went all the way into middle of, of February, he was averaging close to 18, a game, 17, a game while also handing out four and a half, five assists a game. And he wasn't a volume shooter either. Like, he his assists were high. His turnovers were were weren't you know insanely low, but they weren't they were better than average. And his shooting percentage for the most part was really efficient. And so I, I look at that as a guy that was you know, doing what he was supposed to do, but then he just fell off a cliff. That and that's I think what's made the, the most puzzling thing where he went from fifty percent field goal percentage almost. 40% three-point percentage shooter to not making a field goal in his final two games of the season, which, like, that's strange. 
It's very it's weird. Just, it's just another inconsistency in this team, though. Because Richardson yeah. can go from dropping 28 to then the next game dropping 10. And so if you're or Oregon zero. and you're – or zero or seven or whatever the case may be. So it's like if you're Oregon and you can't expect him to get you 16 a night, who, who else are you going to rely on? And that's that's my issue here is that he was never consistent enough except for like an eight-game stretch during his final year at the program where he, he put it all together and then – whatever happened against Arizona or the mental block or whatever the case may be, it's now Oregon can't rely on him to get them buckets. And now they're in this, this free fall because they, they're not sure where their offense is going to come from. Before we go to break, I just want to, is it a consensus? We all expect they'll beat Oregon state. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. I think we're going to take a quick break here on the odds and audibles podcast. We're going to come back and we'll talk what happens after the, opening round of the Pac-12 tournament for Oregon and then big picture. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right. Welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I am leading us back from a break. I think this is the first time ever. (laughs) That went okay. Um, uh, But I wanted to pick up where I mentioned there as we left off. If Oregon were to beat Oregon State, Tomorrow being Wednesday, I think we, we all just established we expect that. And I think you should expect that. Again, Oregon State's won three games all season. They would face Colorado on Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Oregon, by the way, this is what makes this year all so weird. They never won in Boulder. And then they won. Not only did they win in Boulder, Matt, but they won by like 15. And it wasn't even yeah. that competitive down the stretch. Like, do we still see this as a favorable matchup? Like, I mean, do you have some optimism they can, they can do to get against the Buffs? And we should note, like, Colorado's been – probably the hottest team in the Pac-12 besides from Arizona and maybe, yeah, probably just Arizona down the stretch here. But, like, like what's your confidence level in that matchup? Do you, like, is, is it a positive matchup or, or what do you make of kind of this this matchup if it does happen? Well, Colorado has won seven of their last eight games. Um, since that win by Oregon in Boulder, they've beaten Oregon State, Utah, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford. They lost. They were blown out at home to Arizona State, but then they followed it up with a blowout win over Arizona, and then they beat a Utah team. So I I think you peel back the onion a little bit. Oregon State's terrible. I mean, they're absolutely horrible, one of the worst Power 5 teams ever, and that's two of their wins. And then Cal is really bad this season, who actually beat Oregon on their home floor, which just speaks more to the consistency of this Oregon team. So that's another one of those wins. And then they beat Utah twice, and Utah is uh, another bottom feeder. So they, they they claimed six of those wins came against the three worst teams in the conference. So while you look at it and say that, that they are hot, they, are, they have a, a dominating win over Arizona, which is very impressive, they also really didn't play anybody else of, of 
importance during that stretch. And so I do think it is beatable. They are a team that that's that's beatable. It's it is a favorable matchup for Oregon, um, and it is a game in which Oregon choked away in the second half uh, the game against Colorado the first time when they lost. They were up, I think, by seven at halftime. Um, they they had the lead balloon up to uh, I think it was like ten or or eleven points against Colorado in the second half. And then midway through, the Buffs made a, a run. Oregon didn't respond. And then it was too late. They ran out of time. And Oregon loses, you know, 82 to, to 78. And so I do think Oregon looks at this as a, as a winnable game, but it's nowhere near one where it's like, hey, they should be the overwhelming favorites. Joe, do you think that Oregon – let's say we're just going to assume they be Oregon State. Like what's your – confidence level in beating the buffs are we going out of 10 well you pick whatever what i didn't i didn't specify whatever whatever, whatever you want That's to use fine. um being the buffs i'd say five out of ten i have no idea um because oregon you know expelled all those demons and beating them in colorado for the first time under dana altman in this up and down season that was clearly an up um but they also like matt was just saying allowed 82 points on their home floor to a Colorado team who is not that good, not that good enough to score 82 points against Oregon. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. You could ask me the, the confidence on Oregon winning the uh, NCAA tournament, the whole, the whole shebang. And I, I would probably say a five because I'm not sure where this team is right now. And we'll see against Oregon state where they are mentally, physically, and I guess emotionally as well. Um, but if they beat Oregon State, I could see them beating Colorado. It's just I also can see them losing by 15 to Colorado. So I don't know what they're going to get. I do believe that Colorado, if Oregon and them were to play, it's a very winnable game for Oregon. Um, if they play if they play their game, if they play right and they get some uh, something out of Will Richardson and they can hit a couple of jump shots, then I think that they can win pretty easily. I think that's the honestly, it's the the equation for Oregon to try to get you know past Colorado and maybe into the semifinals. Is hitting some jump shots, getting Will Richardson going, and playing their game. But um, those are three things that don't often happen together. It's yeah, go ahead, Matt. I I think so much of what happens Wednesday against Oregon State will give us an indicator of yep. what could happen Thursday against Colorado if it even does happen. Um, I think it will. I think we all agree. But if Oregon comes out and, and they play sharp and they look good against Oregon State, and it doesn't even have to be a 20-point win, but because maybe maybe Jared Lucas for the Beavers is just you know scorching hot and making ridiculous shots to, to keep them within arm's length the, the entire way. But Oregon walks out of that with like a, I don't know, 72 to, to 64 victory. Um but Oregon was in command the entire way, and they played good. That would that would give me confidence that the next night they would play good again. But if it's a game against Oregon State where it's like, man, they got to grind it out in the last two minutes, and it's ugly. It's fifty nine to sixty two, and Oregon shoots thirty percent from the field, and they didn't do anything good. I'm gonna have zero confidence that they go into Colorado and win. But if they play good Wednesday and things are going well, and, and they've got things to, to build off of, 
then yeah, like I look at it and say it, it's probably a game that they should win. It's the hardest team I can think of in a long time to predict games from because we're all kind of like if Oregon plays their best, I really think they can win both these two games, and then what would follow is a a matchup with number one seed Arizona, presumably if, assuming that they win their quarterfinal game um, in the semis. And if Oregon plays at its very best, we saw them down in Tucson really compete there. Um, but it's also like they could also play crappy and lose to Oregon State or play crappy against Oregon State, like Matt said, barely win and then get blown off the court against Colorado. So, I mean, it, it's difficult because the entire season comes down to this. And I think we've been talking like speaking in these terms for two or three like months, basically almost like the whole season of like, they got to win these games. They got to win these games and they haven't taken care of business. And now it really comes down to this because there is no, I mean, that's right. Oregon doesn't make the NCAA tournament unless they win the conference tournament. Like it's that simple. There's no other path to it. I don't see at least. Um, so they have to be at their best, but it's like, I'm just not convinced they will be because I would have thought they would have been at a better level against Washington and Washington state. And yet they just didn't show up in those games. So um, it's really perplexing. Do we even want to do much Arizona talk matter? Do we want to talk bigger picture? I, I, all I'll say is if it's it's not happened in a long time um, in a season, but if you brought up that you think this team is really good, and I think if they play at their best and they play at their best for four games, they could win the tournament. I'm not expecting that. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but – just the wide gap between where they are and what their potential is, is there like they, they are a team that if they get hot and things go right, they could win. They could get to the, the championship game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to get blown out by Arizona, but they they're capable. That's why I guess what I'm saying is if, if they play at their best, they're capable of getting all the way. And I think that's probably what's so frustrating about this week for the fans for the coaching staff, for the players. And what's been so frustrating about this entire season is we've seen it in short spurts that they're, they are capable of being that preseason top 15 team that they were voted on. All right, Jared, semifinal against Arizona, your one to 10 confidence level. Is, is there a number you're even giving or is it just zero? <laughs> uh, I'll give a one just to make it, to make it nice. Yeah. I, I, Arizona is an extremely talented team. We all know that. Um, I love watching them play. Benedict Mather and Christian Coloco, those guys are really, really good. Um, they're just a fun team to watch. They're excellently coached by Tommy Lloyd, um, former Zag, Cozags. Um, and, you know, that's – I mean, we saw Oregon play at their very best against them, and Oregon still lost. Um, and I don't think that's any issue with Oregon. They had some late-game malfunctions, I would say. Um it's just a hard team to go against, man. And when you're Oregon and you're fighting for literally your postseason, like postseason rights, your your first game, you're just trying to get something going. To be looking on the other side of the court and see Arizona as this one seed, as this potential tournament one seed, that sucks. It really sucks. And um, I, I think if those two were to match up, I, I think it could be closely contested for some period of time during the game, but. I don't, I don't have any confidence that Oregon could pull off that upset. I actually think that I actually think if it happens, it'll be competitive because that means Oregon will have played pretty well to get there. I think. Um, yeah. But I, it's really hard for me. I'm maybe like a two or a three on ten. Maybe I'm slightly more optimistic than Jared, but like it's really hard for me to to speak with a serious face and be like, yeah, they're going to beat Arizona just because 
what what have we seen in the last six games that really tells us they can? I know they were competitive down there, but ever since it's been it's just been a weird year. Um, all right, Matt, like let's talk. I, I think so. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm right, and I think you'll say this, but like Oregon has no NCAA tournament options unless they win the conference tournament, right? Like if they get to the championship and they beat Ari- like they, if they beat Arizona to get to the conference championship, do they have a slimmer of a chance maybe to sneak in, or is it just win the thing and you're in? That well, I think they have to win, um, but. Lenardi and John Gassaway of ESPN have both said at different junctions this week that if they get to the Pac-12 championship game, there's that sliver of a chance if a couple upsets don't happen, bid stealers don't arise, that Oregon could maybe sneak in as like the last or the second to last team. Because that would mean they beat the number two team in the country. They have a sweep over UCLA, who's a potential three seed in the NCAA tournament, and they have a win over USC. Um by itself, that right there is a resume that gets you into the tournament. But the problem for Oregon is they have some really bad quad three losses, all of which came at home. Um, mm-hmm. And is that going to be enough to overcome those losses? So I, I personally, I real quick, I think they got to win the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. And then it, if they don't, it's NIT, right? And that's the first time in four years since – 1718, right? Yeah. Yeah. Since the, since Peyton Pritchard's sophomore season, the year after the Final Four, um, that team went through a, a, a lineup change very similar to Oregon this year. You know, Oregon lost all three it, its three top scorers from last year's Sweet 16 team, and the Final Four team saw it's like I think four leading scorers or five leading scorers all transfer or, or all go off, uh, outside of the program after that Final Four season. So. Uh, these two years are, are, are linked and pretty – there's some similarities between the two. Is there anything else we want to talk about on this podcast or have we exhausted it? Because I, I think we can – I don't think it's worthwhile to get into a conference championship matchup against USC or UCLA, even though Oregon won three out of four games against those teams this season and then one loss was by one point yeah. at home. But yeah. it's – I guess in conclusion, like I think this season is going to be looked at years down the line when you look at Altman's tenure here maybe the biggest disappointment that he's had at least to this point in his career we don't know what the future holds but weird weird year and, and I, I'm hopeful the Pac-12 tournament even if it isn't an NCAA berth and maybe they I hope there's just some momentum going into whatever postseason they end up playing and that's I guess that's what I hope for this week well the the sum up this season the, the all-conference awards came out while we were recording this podcast Oregon has one player to make the 10-man first team, the five-man second team, or honorable mention. They had one player make that list. And it's not that they had just – it was Will Richardson who made second team. So it's not that they had one guy make all-conference first team or they had, you know, one guy make all-conference first team and and two honorable mention, you know, because that's happened before in in great years. It's that the league didn't look at Oregon and and say that – they had some of the best players in the conference. And I think that right there is some of the struggles. Um, Frank Kepnog was honorable mention all defense. And that's it. No freshmen. Um, they they didn't have – that's the issue, I, I think, with this team is the talent just wasn't on par with what we were expecting it to be. And you're right, Eric. I think this is probably one of um, the more disappointing seasons – under Altman, probably the most disappointing season under Altman because of preseason expectations um, from internally and from externally. 
uh, and where this team could have been. But I guess the saving grace is there's still time left to change the story. And we'll see if that actually happens or not. Um, we'll be in Vegas covering it, and we'll go wherever they go after that. Uh, it's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to this Pac-12 preview uh, of the Pac-12 men's tournament in Las Vegas, which kicks off tomorrow or Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, Ducks play 2.30 on the Pac-12 networks, and we will be covering it. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.